0: Welcome to Knot Work Storytelling. This is the show where we untangle our myths and reweave our stories, one ancient tale at a time. I'm your host and lead storyteller, Marisa Gowdy. I'm a myth worker, a story healer, a coach for writers and creative entrepreneurs, and the author of The Sovereignty Knot, a woman's way to freedom, power, love, and magic. If you love what you hear and want to support the show I'd be so grateful if you become a paid subscriber on Substack. In my newsletter, Myth is Medicine, you'll receive bonus content related to the stories on the show and deep dives into how mythology and folklore can help the individual and the collective in the present moment and beyond. There's a link in the show notes to follow Myth is Medicine on Substack. Or you can simply visit mythismedicine.substack.com. Season 4. Episode 2 Danu Rise of the Mother. Our guest storyteller is Laura Murphy. Laura is a poet, activist, and healer from Ireland whose work centers around the ancient Irish poetic practice of Imbus ferosni. The Philly, seer poets, of pre Christian Ireland used this practice to bring healing to society and truth to power. Though Imbus ferosni was central to how ancient Irish society functioned and flourished, it was banned by St. Patrick and all but written out of history. Since having a spontaneous experience of Imbus ferocity in 2013, Laura has been working toward reviving this practice within a culturally relevant, modern context. Laura's Imbus-infused work has been featured in the Abbey Theatre's critically acclaimed Home, Part One, Herstory Light Shows, T.G. Cacher's Immel, an RTE documentary, Finding Bridget. Laura was the inaugural poet-in-residence at Herstory, the movement illuminating female role models, and she was a key player in the campaign to make Bridget's Day a national holiday in Ireland. She's also an advocate for mother and baby home survivors. Before we explore this week's story, I have a question for you. What about your stories? Whether it's a book project that wants to be birthed, deep, authentic writing to support your business, or a personal creative project you can't quite name yet, I'm here to support your process and help you get your words onto the page and into the world. I work with folks who are writing memoirs, chronicles of the spiritual journey, and books that explore healing in the imagination, even as they explore the toughest truths of life. I support entrepreneurs, especially coaches and therapists in private practice who wish to weave their personal experiences with their professional knowledge and wisdom. Do you want to build a writing practice and develop the ideas you know you must share? Visit my website, MarisaGowdy.com, to learn more about my writing coaching services and set up a free 30-minute consultation. A few thoughts before you drop into Laura's story. You may find that your everyday podcast listening ears aren't quite what you need to experience Danu, Rise of the Mother. I know that many folks have told me that they return to Laura's other knotwork stories again and again, finding new depth with each new encounter with the sacred energies that come through Laura's words. This story is much the same. It's as much a divine transmission as it is a narrative. This is an initiation story. You'll hear the story of a young girl's meeting with a wise woman, the Bandri. The girl enters into deepest inner knowing and has access to the mystery. She is opened so that the great truths can come through her. She is invited to receive the initiatory rites of Danu, the great mother goddess of the Irish tradition. This is also a creation story. One of the great mysteries of Irish mythology is the lack of a native creation story. Such stories are at the core of most mythologies from around the world. And so we're left with the question, what did our ancestors believe? Why was their creation story forgotten? Or perhaps you should ask, why was it eliminated? Laura's Imbus Tale births a new creation story that weaves the wisdom of this land we call Ireland, together with the cosmic wisdom of the mother of all things. At the close of Laura's story, you'll hear a gorgeous sacred chant written by Jenny Nurassel. It was sung and recorded by Melanie Taylor in the Grotto Saint-Marie-Madeleine in the mountain of Saint Baume. One final note. In this story, Laura mentions the Bondri. This term has no direct translation in English. It means woman druid, healer, priestess, wise woman, and initiate of the earth mysteries. Now, I have a little bit of Irish, but I admit that I heard most of the story thinking that Laura was saying boundary. I think that bit of sacred confusion adds some interesting nuance to the tale. But it might be easier to follow the story if you know that the young girl is speaking to a wise woman, not to a metaphysical boundary wall. Words can't quite express how happy I am to welcome Laura Murphy back to the show for the third time for what feels like a trinity of stories, drawing to some sort of conclusion and beginning all at once. So as is our way at NotWork Storytelling, we first ask the story to speak for itself, and then we'll dive into all of its resonances. So Laura Fulcha, welcome back. Will you tell us a story?
1: Well, or it's an honour to be here. How did it all begin? asked the young girl. The bandry answered by saying, Before the beginning was the void. And what is the void? asked the girl. Attempting to describe the void does not serve, for in speaking it, we bring into form that which is formless. One must understand the void as mystery. The deepest mysteries cannot be spoken or taught. They can only be experienced through gnosis, inner knowing. The poets ever believed that the brink of water was the place of revelation. We are here at the water's edge where I will show you the way. First, you must empty your mind. Fix your eyes upon nothing. Move gently if move you must. Make no more sound than the mice make. And like a long-legged fly upon the stream, Let your mind move upon the silence. Feeling the cool water touch her feet and allowing her body to attune to the stillness of the silence, her hands moved gently as if dancing in the breeze. Words wanted to be spoken. Let them flow, encouraged the boundary. This is the divine inspiration of Imbus for Osnay. The mystery is coming through you. Allow it to speak. And the girl opened her mouth. I was made into the likeness of man to satisfy what humans could not understand. You think that I am your father. Compare me to anything it would be, Mother, for she is creator. But I am neither. I am the source. I am the way.
2: The light. The dark. The night. The day. All of this. None of this.
1: Poetry in motion, solid matter. It is a natural law that is your master. Do not bow to a man in the sky. He will judge and punish you in your mind's limited eye. Do not fixate on the fall of man. Blind faith gives no place in heaven. We are all God-emanations. You are God. God is you. Sacred and profane, false and true, as is the monkey and the cat and the dog, the ant and the spider, the bird in the sky, the wind and the rain, the tree in the soil, the drop of water and the great ocean wild all equal in my symbolic eyes. Truth is nature. Nature is truth. Heaven can be a place on earth. I am the intelligence that knows the way. It is not about obeying me, but finding the way. The truth in your heart knows the way. The way is love. Love is the way. The way that was lost when I was made into your name. With that, a ladybird landed on the girl's hand. Boween Day, said the girl, little cow of God, what message do you have for me? She let the creature speak through her, and she said, I am not your father. Speak of me as mother. We need sutras for our time, lines for spiritual evolution. The bandri smiled and placed her hand on the girl's shoulder. Your dawn has been revealed, she whispered the time has come for you to receive the initiatory rites of danu onward they walked until they reached an ancient cave before we enter said the boundary i want to tell you about the hidden wisdom that has been bequeathed in the manifold meanings within the irish word dawn dawn simultaneously means gift skill, art, poem, soul, and destiny. Your dawn is the treasure that lies within you like a wellspring waiting to give you life. It is the unique soul gift that was bestowed upon you at the point of your creation. It is the goddess Danu's inimitable gift to you and only you. It is your gift to the world. It is that which you were born to do and it is that which you were born to be. It is how you live and why. It is your purpose. It is your destiny. Are you ready to step into your dawn? Yes, replied the girl. I am ready. Inside the cave, there are 13 grandmothers who will bear witness to your rite of passage. We will share the story of Danu with you, which has been passed down through our lineage since the dawn of creation itself. After receiving this transmission, you will be ready to walk forth in the light of your dawn. The girl hesitated. You belong in this space, said the boundary. And the girl took her first step. Inside the cave, the grandmother stood in a circle. They guided her into the centre. Each grandmother placed a flower at her feet and their hand upon her heart. The boundary offered her an apple. The girl sat in lotus position and closed her eyes. It was time for her to receive the creation story. The bandry spoke. In the beginning was the word, and the word was Om. The primordial sound of creation that began as the mystery became aware of itself. Owen was the first emanation from the great void. The first spiritual form of matter. The first utterance as the divine imagination dreamed itself into being. The first manifestation from which all things came. She who is named the mother of all things. She whose name is Danu. She who is. The unspeakable joy of this first dreaming manifested as a single tear. When the tear came to know itself as love, all things became possible. This was the emergence of the matrix of living force which urged all things into existence. And thus, one tear became two, ever expanding through the golden sequence until there gushed a mighty torrent down upon the earth. the divine waters of Danu cascaded downward and her dreaming caused life to spring forth. Dreaming now of a river, now of the mountains, now of the seas, now of the stars, now of the sun. And as her love peaked, she dreamed now of a tree. Danu let her sacred waters flow freely into the tree, nourishing the tree until it became the great tree of life. The great oak whose name is Billa. And when her love for Billa came to know itself as desire, sacred union became possible. Danu and Billa joined in sacred union The power of their love and desire manifested as two acorns. The first acorn was male. From it sprang Dagda, the good god. The second acorn was female. From it emerged Bowen, the illuminated goddess. Dagda and Bowen gazed upon one another in wonder, for it was their destiny to make order from the primeval chaos and to people the earth with the children of Danu, whose waters had given them life. And in the name of the mother, Danu, they fulfilled their destiny. The first child emerged from the womb of Bowen, Brigid. The Exalted One came with her dawn of healing and imbus ferosne. Then came Angus, whose dawn was love. Then Lou, the Samaldonok, who brought every skill, science, and art, and the leadership of gods. And Ogma's gift was the sacred language known as Om, which carried with it the sound of original creation. Known mostly as the Tuatha Dé Danann, the tribe of Danu, they were also called the Aeshi, the Shining Ones. They were superhuman in power and beauty because they were illuminated with the light of their dawn the gift that each of them had received from Danu was offered as their gift to the world. Each one of them excelled in some form of art, poetry, warriorship, skill, science or craft that was beneficial for the flourishing of their people and the land. And because of this, They lived in a golden age of prosperity, peace and harmony for many aeons. Another grandmother stepped forward and spoke. It is unclear to the people of today whether the Tué de came from heaven or earth. The truth is that they are of the sky and of the earth. Their dawn was to create heaven here on earth. The secret is that Danu is manifest on earth. We are inside of the cave of a great mountain which is known as the Paps of Anu, the breasts of Danu. It is in the valley of these mountains, between the breasts of Danu, that Billa. The grey tree of life sprang forth from her dreaming. It was here that she nourished him with her sacred waters. It is here that she will nourish you. Above us, as dusk turns to night, there will appear in the sky a constellation known as Cassiopeia, the Queen of Heaven. These stars are a cosmic mirror of the earthly breasts of Danu. The silhouette of these mountains reflect the shape of the stars. The mountains and the stars are both emanations of the breasts of Danu. As above, so below. Danu's love flows as sustenance through the light of these stars and up through these mountains. Where the stars and the mountains meet, there is a great void, reflecting the mystery from which Danu came into being. This void can also be conceived of as Danu's womb.
2: You, Astor, are in the womb of Danu.
1: Open your heart and call Danu to you. Feel her waters of solace orga, golden light, nourishing you through her cosmic umbilical cord. You are a daughter of Danu, Indian Danu. From her, you are never separated. Tear after tear began to flow from the girl's eyes. A love she never knew existed coursed through her veins. Immense joy and bliss rose from the core of her being. The deepest gratitude yearned to be expressed. Sing, child, said the bandry. Your dawn begins with a song. Sing. And then you may walk forth in the light of your dawn. It is done, it is done, it is done. And with that, the girl sang her dawn into being. Lines for spiritual evolution, sutras for our time, all in the name of the Mother.
2: La uh-huh. la i uh-huh.
0: words. And of course, how could there be words as we're speaking from and through and to and of the void? But there is all gratitude as vast as the ocean for what is an initiation and an invocation. And I feel as if all who get to hear this become daughters of Danu and Nian of Danu, sons of Danu and beyond All of the earthly words we use to understand male, female, daughter, son, mother, father. We're all here in the belly together. Mila, Mila Buikis.
1: Thank you, my friend. Thank you for holding the space and for the invitation. It was a true calling and something that very loudly called to be birthed. And that was a long time in the making, but the time to share it was was now. And you take
0: us sort of in and through and beyond storytelling into transmission and then allowing us to remember that they're all the same. You know, I feel like this gave us that opportunity, you know, knowing that you're playing with what we call a creation story and I say playing with with great esteem and honor because when we play with our stories that's when the magic comes it's the working that I think sometimes causes them gives them bruises like a beautiful apple that's that's handled poorly but when we're playing with a creation story it's really about also playing with these cosmic forces that defy story and become scripture. And then, of course, they loop back and we realize they're all one in the same and just trying to understand and wrap our beautiful minds and hearts around something so much vaster than anything we really know how to hold on our everyday consciousness. And yet we're here to try.
1: Exactly. paradox like the ultimate paradox of creation is and the ultimate paradox of the poet is to describe the indescribable Mm -hmm. and so often when trying to bring forth something of the deepest mysteries you are met with the energy of profanity in a way because some if something is so far embedded into the mystery it's there for a reason and maybe it doesn't want to be brought into form when you go far back enough into the void and you have to wonder well why in naming it you're bringing it forth and does it want to be named and that was a very interesting part of this process in the story for me mm. and what I landed on is, we can point towards the mystery. I don't know if on this earth we're ever fully meant to understand the deepest mystery. And maybe that's why in all our years of science that they haven't understood where it all came from. And even the greatest of mystery traditions can bring us so far into our understanding. But through having an incredibly curious mind for 20 years and wanting to Grasp at the meaning and get to the ultimate meaning. It's like right now in my midlife, I'm realizing the beauty of the mystery is letting it be the mystery. Mm -hmm. But then there is a reason why poets are needed in society, and there is a reason why stories are needed in society, and that is to connect us in a very sacred, magical way to the mystery. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Remembering that our birthright is to hold the mystery, not to solve the mystery.
1: Ah, love it. That's it. That's it. And you know what I found is, when I let go and I surrendered of the need to know, it was then that gnosis actually started to rise in me. Mm -hmm. And I... Felt I had an understanding of the mystery in my body. Not that I'm exactly able to translate it into words. That's the message of the story that the mystery will find you when you attune and you align to the earth and you align to your dawn and you have devotion to the mystery and you have devotion to the. The creative force that is alive in all of us that some call God, that some call the way, that some call the Tao, that the mystery can become alive within you as a living, breathing force. And you do understand the dynamics of creation and that's how you bring forth creation in littler ways in your your life or in your work or in your dawn or in your vocation. Mm. Yes.
0: I feel like I'm in the cauldron with all of the images and all of the words and all of the, in you know, the poets that are speaking through you and with you in this moment. And I'm trying to decide where I'm called to begin. And so I, I'm gonna go to the place that I think touched me most intimately because it's an image that I've been working with for years, but I don't think you and I have ever talked about. And those are the 13 grandmothers in the belly of the earth. That has been something we've worked on in my, with, in my mystery school for years. And that has been the place where I go for my solace and my renewal. And I'm held by these grandmothers. And then, of course, here they are in your story because, well, because they're real. In the spirit plane, they're real, and they're beings that we've seen, albeit getting there on different roads, on different continents, on different islands. So can you tell me a little bit about your knowing of these 13
1: grandmothers? Yeah, because in in the conscious plane, I don't really know anything about the 13 grandmothers. I know there's a council of 13 elders with women from different traditions across the world who are coming together and doing great work for nature and for the planet. But I don't know really anything beyond that, apart from they wanted to come through in this story. It was 13 of them. They were grandmothers, because in my more linear thought process of the story, there would have been people, women from all the different generations in the cave. Mm-hmm. but that wasn't to be it was meant to be the 13 grandmothers so i'm mm-hmm. interested to hear what how you've been working with the 13 grandmothers
0: i guess it's similar in that sense of i know and i don't know right it's the place we go in spirit that says this is this is the womb this is that place to go back to when you need healing and you need rebirth and you need to just sort of plug back into the great umbilicus and say right i am always here as daughter of goddess daughter of god daughter of the void and in being able to go back there that that sense of saying i can rest here for a little while in order to return to sort of this our journey in this middle world where we're meant to be walking and connecting the mountains to the stars, but having to do our very real day to day routine of being the mum and making dinner and all the things that get stuck in the way and that are the way at the same time.
1: Exactly. And I think my experience is of grandmothers in Ireland and how. They did so much. If you think of their generations, it was their mothers and their grandparents that were around in the time of the 1916 rising and the famine. And they were, you know, just one step removed or maybe they touched those levels of of trauma. But how they held so much together, how they in a time of great poverty in Ireland, Mm -hmm they had many children because of the way Catholic Ireland was like each family had five, six, seven, eight, nine. I mean, someone in my family has 17 children. They had 17 children. So it's like, but yes, the mothers and the grandmothers, they were able to keep everything together. They got up early in the morning, they went and they gathered the eggs, but they also made sure everyone was nurtured in all of the ways in life and in food. And also kept the traditions alive you know in a time where our ways and our old ways and our indigenous ways were being suppressed they found a way to keep them alive and they found a way to keep the old ways as a source of nourishment and I think it was that that little light that they kept the embers aflame throughout those hard times that allowed us to pick up the baton now, you know, in our generation when things are a lot freer and we can then go and really take up the old ways and not in a way where we need to hide or we need to camouflage or. And it's it's the grandmothers and there is a lack of elderhood, I think, in in our world today. Because of what the the previous generations, the work that they had to do and all of that they had to move through, the, they were denied their elders and and the lineage was probably somewhat broken. But I think when I see the Greta Thunbergs of today having to step up when they're in school, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, what does that call me to be? And I was like, that calls me to be an elder in midlife. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I can do enough healing work in myself that I can be able to be in a place that can support and offer wisdom because the space needs to be filled. There's an urgency. That's what I seek to do. I seek to become an elder at a younger age than what would probably be. or <laughs> well, maybe not. Maybe there's elders of all ages, but. Um, that resonates with
0: when I feel like I really claim hag in a really sacred way, especially with women in their 20s. And they're like, what do you mean? And part of it's me kind of coping with like, here I am in midlife as well. And I'm just, this is how we're going to euphemistically speak of perimenopausal symptoms. And they're like, You're still... I'm like, no, no, it's grand. I can, I'm can i claiming hag here in the middle moment. And it's part of the magic. And so I want to kind of hearing what you were saying too, in that sense of becoming an elder at midlife or whatever it is to you know that knowing that part of the work is to to hold and pass the wisdom, that takes us right into sort of a universal understanding of our dawn. Though it may come Mm -hmm. through in different specific facets, like a prism, it feels like if there's one answer to it, it's that sense of, well, there's that line idea too of becoming a good ancestor. And that's looking way back, but it's becoming an elder in this moment for all of those around us, I suppose, not just looking back a decade or two or three behind us.
2: For
1: sure. And it's, it's really beautiful because it was one of my most cherished elders that told me about the magic of the word dawn originally. So Dolores, she wrote a book, ever ancient, ever new. And she walked with, she organized Bridget's Way, the pilgrimage for Bridget in 2013 and on that pilgrimage she told us that the Irish word dawn we generally we just know the word dawn as having one layer of meaning and that it means poem but when she said it means skill, gift, destiny and soul and it points to that magic that is in the Irish language that in english words like english is very is is a very apt language for this cartesian way we have developed our society to be the reductionist mm. linear logical way of thinking which absolutely serves to a point but it shouldn't be at the expense of a more poetic metaphorical way of being that actually serves to expand consciousness rather than reduce mm. but the irish language is a language of ever-expanding consciousness. And if we take the example of the word dawn, you could look on it as dawn in Irish has multiple meanings, which is magical in itself. But I think the real magic is that the meaning of dawn is actually the collected words. It's the meaning of all of the words together, which has no direct correlation in English Mm-hmm. But that then, what that does when we we meditate on the concept of dawn as simultaneously meaning gift, destiny, soul, skill, art, we bring our consciousness into an expanded state, and we stretch the power of language to describe the more ineffable things, and that's what we lost in English when Irish was replaced by English on our country, we lost that ability that we had for ions to think in that expanded poetic way that was closer to the mysteries. So I am so grateful to one of my most treasured elders, Dolores, for for bringing the illumination of the word dawn into our collective consciousness, really, as she has done with so many things in the Irish Mm -hmm. wisdom tradition. But that's just one one example of, of the power of, of elderhood.
0: In Dawn, we have Danu, right? And I, I'm not sure exactly whether the scholars would allow us to make that bridge. I mean, but it's right there. There are there are three letters that are very powerfully in common. And the vibration is certainly there, even if there may be some etymological variances coming through, because there's just so many streams coming Mm. together, which of course is straight from the Irish tradition as well, that many streams of wisdom come together to create something powerful and vivid and new that emerges into this world.
1: Absolutely. But I think you're spot on. And that's my theory is that that's, of course, where the word dawn came from, Danu. It's my understanding that that's why the Tuatha Dé Danann were called the Shining Ones, mm. because they shone from the light of their dawn. They had no obstructions to the dawn, their dawn that we have today. You know, it's, it's we're, we're so bound by the constraints of society. We need to earn a living and our dawns, if they're unconventional, we don't have the freedom to be in our dawn. And I mean, in Ireland for so long, even as much as Ireland cherishes poets, if if you emerged in your world as a poet, it's like, well, who does she think she is? You know, it's that Irish begrudgery thing that that Mm -hmm. everybody experiences. So it's like... There was a a trauma in our country that blocked us for so long from being free to just be who we are, because that's what our dawn is. Our dawn is just simply who we are naturally. Mm. And while I had an understanding that I had a gift of poetry and a gift of healing from maybe age 13, I didn't fully understand how it could be an embodied vocation or I expressed my dawn in isolation for a long number of years. And what I did was I sought to put validation on it from the the conventional world. Like I didn't go public with my ability to do hands-on healing until this is my thought process until I could put the scientific understanding on it. And in ways, it was really good because I dedicated myself over 20 years to understanding all I could in the academic realms of poetry and mythology and and everything in the scientific realms for healing. But then you get to a point and when when you do start to get some level of wisdom into your being, you realize the limitations of science and the limitations of a reductionist way of thinking and then you, you you find a way to actually to merge the two. But ultimately, the, the, the wisdom is that you don't need validation mm. from science or from anyone. Your dawn is just what is there naturally. And if you have passion and you want to find out more and you want to excel and you want to bring it forth in a responsible way, like I did with healing I mean healing is is big work you don't want to be doing it in a way that's irresponsible or not trauma informed so I'm very thankful to my logical self for that but also I'm very thankful now that I got into a space where I realized I I don't need permission from anyone I don't need to be blocked from the voices of people that you know you can hear well who does she think she is or whatever you know it's time now where like the two with done, and we all have something to give to society and we're not going to get out of the mess that we're in unless we're all free to let our natural skills excel and if we create the space to let people do that that's when we'll have exponential evolution and quantum leaps in discoveries and in even enjoy like in music and poetry in the arts it's it's time that we all shined in that light of of our dawn
0: yes oh a million times yes what i'm hearing and what you're saying there's so much there but we get caught in the sense of you know well revelation was allowed in the book of genesis And poetry was allowed in Yates. Oh, and maybe in Heaney. You know, he's a bit more recent. But, you know, those are our dear departed poets who we keep on the shelf and bring them off and say, thank goodness they were able to channel this this wild madness in. They got to live the life of a poet. So how's your training in STEM going, dear? Has the engineering program (laughs) going well? Good. Maybe after you retire, you can earn the level of mad woman down the lane and begin to return to exactly who you were at 13. But Jesus, wait 50 years and make sure that you've earned enough money and enough esteem that it will be allowed. Yeah, yeah. And it's, of course, a radical act to say, thank you. I see you, modern world. And mm-hmm. I respect all of your innovations. We love automobiles and airplanes and the things that connect us across the miles. And what if we don't have to wait to channel it through and to call it in and to become not the poet on the shelf, but but the poet in the living room, right? (laughs) Which is, Mm -hmm. I feel like in so many ways, the work that you have embodied in emerging to say here, this this is poetry alive and breathing and shifting and holding our world in this moment and not in some past tense or in some future hope. Exactly.
1: It's here and it's now. And it's a response to the urgency, but it's also a response to the higher nature of our humanity. And, you know, we're bombarded with all of these images of lower nature living, you know, in wars and in the far right and all the rest of it. But we must remember that there's a significant wave of evolution happening in society now and we see it coming through and in the younger generations and and the proliferation of people who are living in their dawn. I mean, Instagram is such a wonderful space for connecting people of unique interests. And there is, yeah, there's a beautiful wave happening amidst it all and I think it's 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 really time to um to ride the wave and to have the courage to do whatever healing is needed to be able to express your dawn because I know for me there was a significant amount of healing I needed to do in the areas around self-worth or even just from from traumas that we all pick up along the way If we go out into the world and we become more visible or we we become more powerful in how we express our skills or our talents, it's going to bring things into focus, whether it's in your own psychological space um, or whether it's in public. But. The responsible thing to do if if you are focused or you do feel it's time to step more into your dawn is to see to your own healing and mm. and see to the parts of you where that need love or see parts of you that are maybe acting out of shadow or that's where the gold is. You know, it's, it's like what Campbell said, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. That's all part of dawn activation. And when we speak of our dawn or we see people releasing a video of music or poetry or we see someone stepping into their dawn and it all looks so shiny and wonderful and coherent. And But in my experience, the process can be so messy and it's like you do need to go into the dark. You do need to go into the cave. And definitely my process of awakening my dawn was anything but shiny and Mm -hmm. coherent and luminous throughout the process. It happens, but uh, it's yin and yang.
0: (laughs) Oh, Laura, we could sit here all day and just keep looking through the layers of our own experience of all these, of the stories itself. But I want to just ask you if there's any pieces of the story that you want to to really call to call in and to and to highlight in terms of what felt either most powerful as a transmission coming through or pieces that you're really sort of saying ah oh, when I told that tale of Danu it was this image that really shone for me
1: yeah i think it's the amazing thing in 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 our whole canon of mythology is that Danu i think is mentioned about once or twice Right. In, in in Cormac's glossary, she's mentioned as the mother of all. And then that's kind of it. And I think there's another place where she, in the in the book of invasions, she's mentioned as Anand, which, funnily enough, in Sanskrit means bliss and means joy. And that's it. So you would wonder why if... The Tuatha are the great beings in our mythology, and and the 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 beings who are associated with higher consciousness and 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 all of the the poetic mythology that comes down, and that they are people of the goddess Danu. How is it that we have that one little piece from a medieval manuscript that's written? So. That was the challenge, I suppose, in writing. It felt, as with the story of Bowen and Bridget that I I shared here in the other podcasts, the gold in those stories was the bringing forth of that which had been suppressed about the divine feminine in in each of those cases. And it was the same with Danu, because I figured she must be of eminence, the ultimate preeminent goddess of our mythology if the people of the Tuatha Dé Danin or the people of the goddess Danu. So it's very important, I think, that her place, her preeminence is understood, and the true meaning of her archetype or the true energy of her archetype is understood. But the the challenge is that her archetype goes into that Uh, space of the void, which moves into that kind of ineffability that we're talking about. And I think maybe that's a lot of the reason why patriarchy ended up dropping her, A, because of her power and A, because she was, her archetype was the ultimate origin of creation, but B, because the mystery was so difficult to, to understand in a linear way of thinking. But I think as part of our evolution, part of our understanding of the mysteries because there are mystery traditions so many mystery traditions the world over that have secrets that kind of that are hard to access now but the thing is because we we have gnosis ourselves we have the ability to understand the mysteries and that's what that story points to it points Mm -hmm. to the time has come for us not to be spoon-fed mysteries from dogmatic traditions. The time has come for us to awaken to our own innate understanding of the mysteries, but also leaning on the golden nuggets that have been left by our ancestors. And I suppose that's generally what the point of the story was. But I think a key point in the creation of the story that was fascinating for me was the discovery that Danu was connected with the the constellation of Cassiopeia, because again, because there's only one, one thing, one or two things written about her in the literature. And then even in the landscape, you know, where we have the Ka- Kylock emanations everywhere in Ireland, or we have Bowen and we have Bridget everywhere. Danu really is only in one place mm. for, for someone who was obviously the preeminent goddess, she only appears in one place in Ireland that we know of that that meant that the memory exists. and that was the paps of Anu, the breasts of of Danu in Killarney. So what was amazing to me is when my friend Yuri Let, he sent me a video that shared with me the connection of Danu and the Welsh equivalent Don, and that Don is very closely connected with the star system of Cassiopeia. And then when I looked at the shape of Cassiopeia, it was the very same inverse, mm. it was inverse of the paps of Danu. Mm. And I'm like, this is exactly our ancestors. It's it's undeniable now how sophisticated our ancestors were in astronomy and archaeo, you know, and, and, and the buildings, you know, how they constructed New Grange, how they understood the features of the land. I mean, the the direct alignments that span across. The island, you know, the the straight lines that the sacred sites make connected Mm. to Lou or connected to Bridget really points to the sophistication of our ancestors. And it just it couldn't have been a case that they just didn't have anything to do with Danu. So when I realized through Yuri's brilliant work that Cassiopeia was connected to Danu and that we had an earthly manifestation that wasn't something that they built because it was amazing to have Newgrange as a a manifestation of Bowen that that our ancestors built. But that this manifestation of the primordial goddess rose from the earth, you know, Mm. and Danu as... The nourisher and, and the giver of sustenance, the idea of the sustenance coming through her breasts, you know, points to the Milky Way. And Bowen mm. was known in Irish as the Bowen River, as, as which means Way of the White Cow, which is also the name in Irish of the Milky Way. But Cassiopeia lies directly on the Milky Way. So the breasts Mm -hmm. of the goddess, the breasts of the mother lie on the Milky Way. And then at the other end of the Milky Way, we have Cygnus, which is the swan constellation, who is Bridget. So on the Milky Way, the sustenance of the great goddess, we have Danu Bridget on, on Bowen. And I just thought it was amazing to discover that we have a star system that that our ancestors connected to Danu, and we have an earthly manifestation of Danu, and that those the shapes of those two things are identical, one in the sky and one of the earth. And in the the Book of Invasions, it said that the people didn't know whether the two were they of heaven or of earth. And then we look at. The you know, Danu is Cassiopeia in the sky. And we look at the mirror of her in the Paps of Anu and we know the two of the Dan and were of the sky and they were of the, the she was of the earth.
0: Oh, Laura, the way your mind and spirit and heart weave all of this together, it's like you just take me into these just sacred moments of, of course, of course, you know? And I think that that's one of those, that's that time of epiphany of saying, I see something that has always been and I get to see it in a new way. And that's why I love spending time with you. And I feel like two thoughts. One is, well, of course, when you, you know, we forget to tell the story like in the way a fish wouldn't tell the story of the of the ocean because it's all that they know. It's that you don't tell the story of the mother upon whom you live because it is just the earth itself. And so that sense of the island of Ireland is Danu. And so. And then moving on, we have other characters we place upon it, and there's Bridget, and there's Bowen, and there's the children get to come and have their stories told, because of course, ironically, some, so often, who always takes the photographs? It's the mother, and the mother's never in the photographs because she's so busy holding. So it feels like there's that there's that modern echo in there. But there's also just the idea of it's what you embody so beautifully, and I feel it's that sense of sort of rooting in to the tradition that we have, to the nuggets that we have, as you describe them, the bits of story and lore, in order to rise into whatever our next sort of evolutionary step is. That says, how do we go outside of dogma without cherry picking the you know the tradition and the and the the books too much, but also say to come back to what you're saying before of how do we trust our own dawn that says there is an inner wisdom. There is an ability to call forth discernment. There is an internal integrity that could be trusted enough to say, I'm going to unify this bit of golden wisdom with this bit of of observation that says, I see this with my own eyes. I I have others I know who are seeing it too. Let's keep weaving the lore and seeing where it takes us. Because that, of course, is so much of the point is to say, how do we move forward with it? Not how do we continue it as a dusty antique sort of trying to hold on to those few words we have that may keep the story limited and small.
1: Exactly, because mythology was always meant to evolve and the quantum physics principle of of that which is observed can change. You know, reality changes when it's observed Mm -hmm. and when somebody... When a human form or human consciousness observes this thing that has been forgotten, you know, Okay, well, God, someone now has observed that to our ancestors, Danu was Cassiopeia. And then that little piece of alchemy. Creates the art that is the story, and creates the art that is that Yuri. You know, I asked Yuri to, to to work on to bring forth um a piece of his art because he felt like he was connected to the mystery. Mm-hmm. So he brought the art that he brought aligned so perfectly to the story, and he didn't know what I was writing. He got it. I I gave him a few pointers, but the the story and the art because two human beings have observed this phenomenon. We've created more little portals into the mystery that other people can go in through and that's what keeps the mythology it's not like rewriting history or revisionist history it's 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 about bringing it forward and and making it all relevant and evolving evolving understanding through gnosis because at the end of the day it's like It's not about whose truth is the truth. It's not about whether Islam had the truth or Christianity had the truth. We're at the point in in our our evolution where we just need to really realise that there is one perennial truth. And the laws of nature are the laws of nature. And The truth that is going to bring us forward is how clearly we understand those laws of nature and how we can work with the laws of nature. And that truth doesn't belong to any one person or any one dogma. And the beauty is that now we're realizing that each individual person has the power to bring forth an alchemical observation that will bring humanity forward another way and will leave Mm -hmm. a golden breadcrumb for those that follow. I mean, I've in the story I've weaved in inspiration I took from Peter Beresford Ellis's story of Danu and Billa. I weaved in Yeats, I weaved in A. E., I weaved in John O'Donohue, because I don't want my poetic voice to appear as if it's the one that knows. Mm. I want my poetic voice to honour those wisdom keepers and wisdom openers that came before me and Mm -hmm. I want to honor the archetypal intelligence that runs through us all and I want to honor that truth which is the truth which doesn't belong to any one small limited mind I want my poetic voice to leave mysteries for the people coming behind us Mm -hmm. to bring forward yeah you know, and what
0: you say, it reminds me too. Like as we look back to the multiplicity of ways to to God, to the divine, that we found across cultures, across time, you recognize that that's because people were channeling in their understanding of what evolution meant, what the the meaning of our lives on this earth meant, based on the shape of their own land, based on their own divine guidance. And they weren't worrying about whether or not it was scientifically proven. Like just the sense of because we have all these multiplicity of ways says it's because we were here to innovate and to call it through our own lens and our own mesh. And so this obsession we have in this moment with saying, well, we have to make sure we follow this tradition to the T and make sure we don't appropriate or Or pervert or change in too many ways and get into you know unverified personal gnosis Mm -hmm. that's what the human creation and innovation has been built on both that sense of those who do it by the book and then those Mm -hmm. who say but what if we add an appendix to the book and what if there's a hidden apocrypha of of what you forgot was in the book in the beginning and we just keep innovating. and i feel i feel like that's sort of a half-baked thought but it's one of those things that just sort of is yeah. coming in of like when we get too trapped in our minds that say we must do it right or that we must yeah. honor correctly or that we in that desire to to have more ritual in our lives to have more of the sacred and then you know i could speak from my own sense of here on turtle island here in this in the states where i was given sort of a I guess, a watered-down American version of Catholicism, and that even the family lineage stories would really come through only very lightly because everything had become mixed and Americanized. There becomes that longing and need to go back to something ancient, go back to something that would have come before and been held by the ancestors or just by other wisdom keepers and yet also knowing there's that moment of saying, but I, I have to innovate here where I am right now. I'm on the lands of the Lenape people. I'm I'm in a sopus. Like, who were they? How do I call in the the, the two greatest forces that are within me? The lore of Ireland and then the land that that's called me to, to be here and to root in.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: It's a touch. It's my open question. I'm living, but I just thank you for giving me the space to continue to just weave with it and be with the tangle of it.
1: Yeah, and I, it, it feels like, and this is again, it's a hard thing to describe. But when I'm listening to you speak, it feels like if we understand the energy of Danu as the Bradon Fassa, the, the salmon of wisdom, or the rainbow serpent of the uh, the so called Australian Aboriginals and we we see the rainbow serpent coming up through uluru and weaving as an energetic as the energetic life force up through the planet and we we see her creating the song lines and the ley lines of energy through all the different countries but also through all of Creation. And then we begin to understand there was a connection between the First Nations people on Turtle Island and the First Nations people in Ireland. And whether it was through the quantum realms, whether it's through the collective consciousness, but there was a shared energetic, there was a shared understanding of truth. And I think those quantum connections are very magically being made it, exponentially right now through people, how people are connecting and all the different land masses, through synchronicities that are happening, through revelations, archaeology or science or poetic, the imbus that's rising up from people, the the, the powers of creation that are coming up and, and the connections. So again, it's something that's quite, it's difficult to describe, but I'm feeling what you're speaking into and I hope I did a bit of justice in speaking about the rainbow serpent as Danu there.
0: And there lies open a whole other portal where we could just continue to keep weaving and weaving. But the wonderful news is, is that I feel like you and I will get to keep doing that both with one another and here at the podcast, because you have really become one one of the pillars of this project, such an unexpected gift, the synchronicities that brought us together, the Instagram. And that's the thing is we're here to keep opening and creating the portals and taking the invitation of saying, okay, I'll follow this unknown sacred tug and, and meet you in the void, which I guess in some ways is where we are right now. You know, this Zoom is perhaps the new void. (laughs)
1: Exactly. (laughs) We've just, we've, we've just uh, entered the void and honored the void and, Describe the indescribable. So, as as John Spillane says, "Fair play to us."
0: (laughs) Fair play to us. Oh, (laughs) Laura,
1: thank you so
0: much for being with me today to mark this equinox moment to really sit with Danu and all of her her mysteries. Thank you.
1: Thank you for holding the space in the most amazing sacred way, as always, Marisa. Such an honor.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Not Work Storytelling Podcast. Please subscribe and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. And do share this episode with other lovers of myth and story. By the way, everyone is a lover of myth and story, even if they've forgotten. Creating this show is a labor of love, and your support will help me continue to craft and share stories through Season 3 and beyond. Please consider becoming a paid subscriber over on Substack, where I'm writing and creating additional audio magic with my newsletter and content hub, Myth is Medicine. You can find out more about my writing, my book, our online creative community, The Heroine's Knot, as well as how to work with me as a coach at marisagoudi.com. Music on the show is by the wonderful Beth Sweeney and Billy Hardy, a Celtic fiddle and multi-instrumental duo based on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. The traditional reel we play at the start of the show is called the College Groves. Find out more about their music and shows at billionbath.com. Gratefully, I live, write, work, and record this podcast on the ancestral lands of the Muncie Lenape tribe, whose name means original
2: people.